Welcome to the Family Life Church Podcast. We hope you're blessed and encouraged to share this with someone you know. Subscribe or visit thefamilylife.org for more information. Confess your faults. Mm. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions, as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Hmm. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. That's what I want to talk to you about. And he prayed. Father, I pray that you help us today, and I thank you for your grace and goodness. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our minds and our hearts to hear, to receive, to respond, God. That you would be glorified in us and through us. And I thank you, Father, that you are righteous and faithful and true. And I thank you for your word, God, that is good today. I thank you, Lord, that your your riches of grace, Lord, they are loaded on us daily. We are loaded with your benefits daily, your word said. And I thank you for that, God, that that you pour out your spirit on us. And thank you, God, for this Pentecost that we have in our life. And Lord, I pray, anoint this people and anoint me now. In Jesus' name, I pray this and I give you glory. Would you praise him one more time before you're seated? God, we praise you. We glorify you. We exalt you. We worship you. We magnify you. How great you are, God. To God be the glory. One more time, greet somebody nearby you and then you may be seated in the name of Jesus. Be kind to them, compliment them, say something nice to them. Two men went up to the temple to pray, Jesus said. That was how he opened this parable to those who thought themselves righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Both went to where uh, uh, and the place that, that help could be found, that life could be given. Two men prayed. But only one went down to his house justified. And it was all determined by the place and the posture of the heart. Look at this, if you would please, in Luke. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithe of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The Pharisee. The Pharisee stood 
and prayed and thanked God that he was not, was not as others were. He even pointed out to God the publican there in the church with him. He lined up his list of those who did not measure up. He just justified himself in the fact that he fasted twice in the week. He paid his tithes on all that he possessed. He presented himself as, as the very template, if you would, of what a righteous person should be. And then there was the publican keeping his distance, not because he felt he was better than another, but simply because he felt he had no right to approach. His lack of worth um, weighed him down so much to the point that the word gave indication that he could not even raise his head. That's the weight that he felt. Um, all he could do was, was pound his chest for the pain that was in his heart and pray, God, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me, a sinner. To the Pharisee, to the Pharisee it was a numbers game, a, a spiritual tally. Look at this for a moment now. It was a spiritual tally at the end of the day and, and the one with the most points wins. Um, he prayed not as other men are, check, not an extortioner, check, um, not unjust, check, not an adulterer, check, not as that publican over there, double check. Um, I, I fast twice in the week, extra credit. I pay my tithe, uh, worth at least 10 points, but no more. Uh, he went through it all. Uh, all of what he thought that he was blinded him to the fact of what he really was. He was the same. Right. He was exactly the same as that publican that felt so far off. Everyone hear me right now. No measure of means could ever add up to make the Pharisee good enough to deserve what God would freely give him. Look at this, if you would, please. Um, grace is not given because of our goodness. Grace is given because of God's goodness. Everybody remember this. Mark it down, write it down, take a picture, memorize it, something. Uh, just get it in your heart and head this day. Grace is not given because I am good. Grace is given because God is good. Do you understand that level playing field? Do you understand that when we look at it that way, when we understand it that way, nobody's above another. Nobody's earning their way into salvation. Nobody has merit that will get the stamp of the approval of, of God. No, I, I get the grace of God because God is just good. Yes. <laughs> there lay many a casualty along the road in this spiritual walk simply because they got overwhelmed and weary of never being able to measure up. Too many people, and the unfortunate thing is, it was never God who put that burden on them to bear. It was too often self-inflicted or put on the back by another person but they never felt they were good enough. They never felt they could ever measure up. Somehow they got it in their mind by their own thought process or by the environment that they were raised in or somebody uh, inflicted that on their life, affected them. Uh, they felt they were just never enough. Uh, because, but the truth is, if we think that we are never good enough, uh, that is a pain that we put on ourselves or that's a judgment that we inflict upon another. It never comes from God. Do you understand this? Because God is not a God of condemnation. God is a God of conviction. And there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Somebody hear this right now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but what? After the Spirit. Amen. When we are walking after the Spirit, God doesn't inflict condemnation on us. Amen. He will give us conviction to bring us closer to Him, but not condemnation. Condemnation has to come from the enemy or ourself or someone that's trying to put it on us. 
But God loves us more than that. He loves us so much that he convicts us. He does not condemn us. God's grace doesn't make any of us pay or keep a ledger of wrongs. His goodness gives it to us freely without merit for it. I get the goodness of God. I get the grace of God without anything in my life to merit it. You believe that? If the good grace of God were contingent on our goodness, we all would be walking home like the Pharisee today, unjustified. Every one of us, man in the pulpit, everybody in the pew, amen. We may come from many different walks of life and the influence and the input of our life may be different, but we all walk on the common ground of the flesh. Everybody say me. Everybody say me. Not amen, me. Uh, uh, We all walk on the common ground of the flesh. Look at this, please, if you would, in Corinthians. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common. Common. Uh, Common to man. There's nothing come against you. There's nothing taking hold of you. There's no temptation that you have encountered that is not common to everybody else. Whatever you've encountered, it's common today. Uh, Whatever you felt last night, whatever you thought about, whatever you dealt with, amen. Good to see the Campbells over here. Whatever we deal with in the ministry, whatever we're going through in life, whatever's happening around us, it is common. It's common to man. And you may, feel, you may feel like you can't lift your head today. You might feel like that you don't have a right, a rhyme, or a reason. But can I tell you, but God is faithful. You might be unfaithful, but God is faithful. There's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. Amen. You may have been unfaithful yesterday, but God is faithful today. His mercies were new every morning, just like they were new yesterday morning. They're new again. I talked about it last week. They're new again today. And you know what? Should the sun rise tomorrow and we breathe another breath, the mercies of God will be new yet again. Why? Because God is faithful. Somebody say God is faithful. God is faithful. He'll not let you suffer to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it. No temptation has taken you, but such is common to man. Every temptation, every problem, every mountain, every valley is common to us all. No pain is exclusive. You may feel like it, but you don't have a corner on carnality. Let me do a little tough love here for a second. You may feel like it, but you don't have a corner on carnality. You're not the only one who struggles with their thoughts. Everybody has a tongue and everybody battles with it. There are no halos in the house today. Each one of us and all of us live on and in the common ground of regret for something. Everybody, it's a common ground of temptation. It's a common ground of faults. It's a common ground of failures. It's a common ground, stick with me. We're gonna get to where we need to be. It's a common ground of getting it wrong. There is no temptation that is not common to us all. We all have felt or feel far off like the publican. We've all come in the church on any given Sunday and we felt like we couldn't get close to the altar. It was not that anybody was standing in our way but ourselves. The own thought process we had of the, of the sin that we committed the day before, the day before that, that we didn't feel like we had a right to lift our head. We didn't feel like we had a right to come to the altar because we had been the, to the altar one too many times about the same problem that we had already repented of. Anybody identify with this right now? That should be 100% amen. Because the truth of the matter is we have all visited the altar more than once for a sin that we have committed repeatedly. Amen. But God is faithful. Amen. When I'm far off, he makes me nigh by the blood. 
When you don't measure up, his grace makes up the difference. When I can't, when I can't get there, his grace gets to me. I hope you understand the simplicity of this today. When I can't make it there, his grace makes it to me. When I'm not holy enough, his holiness makes it to me. When I'm a failure, his perfection comes to me. David called for Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. Go back and read it sometime. He called for the son of Jonathan to sit at the king's table. Mephibosheth was lame, he was an orphan, and he had no right to return to the royal table. But the king said otherwise. You may be limping and lame, fallen again and again and again, struggling with all the problems in your life, feeling like no one knows and no one understands and possibly even nobody cares. But the fact is today, this table of grace that we sit at time after time is occupied with people just like you, just like me. That's what I'm trying to say today. We are all sitting at the table and we all have the common ground of difficulties. Our troubles are all the same. Our, our flesh fails us. Yes, it does. Our flesh fails us. You, you're no different than me or him or her or them. We're all the same. Now listen, I've lowered my head and bowed my head in prayer and felt like nobody understood and nobody cared. I think we've all been there. We've all been there, done that. We bought the t-shirt as a matter of fact. Uh, the, but the truth of the matter is, while I may feel like that I'm alone and I, I might feel like that nobody cares and I might feel like that nobody relates or understands, that's not the truth. That's a lie from the enemy. Because the truth of the matter is what I deal with, you deal with. And what you deal with, I deal with. Because we're all on that common ground of difficulty. You might think that nobody's ever thought that, thought that you had in your head, but I guarantee you they have. You may feel like that nobody ever went through what you're going through. Somebody has gone through it because we're coming. This, this is not a misery loves company message, but rather one to remind us to sheathe our sword of judgment that we often carry against others and to remember the liberty of grace is not to judge others, but to minister mercy. That's the important message of the church is that we minister mercy, amen. On the day of Pentecost, they were in common in that upper room. They had all things in common and they were together and then the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost to move in your life, amen, to get on the common ground of the people around you and understand God is for us, not against us. It shouldn't be that we just uh, sympathize with one another, but it should be that we empathize. For these common temptations make us not just feel for one another, but we relate to one another. It shouldn't be that, that we just cast a little bit of sympathy and a little bit of mercy over here, but it should be that we walk hand in hand with our brothers and sisters, the church, because we empathize because we are just like them. We wear the same uniform. Uh, we're in the same battles. We bear the blood and we bear the name of Jesus. That's who we are. We're not against each other. We're not divided today. Now, this one over here that doesn't see it like that one over there, it doesn't make them out of the church or in the church or better than this one or worse than that one. It makes us all come under the, the, the banner of the blood and the name of Jesus to know that we are fitly framed together. Hear me somebody right now. I hope everybody, if you don't hear anything else, I hope you hear this. Don't kill your own wounded. Don't pull the chair from the table that none of us have a right to sit at. We have been given grace today. 
They may not look like you. They may not act like you. They may not talk like you. They may not be from where you are from. Amen. That doesn't matter because heaven's going to be filled with a lot of people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't see it the same way that we do. Amen. Live a little bit different. Amen. It's the grace of God. Don't take that judgment in your hands. Amen. We have been too guilty of killing our own wounded. Too guilty of taking those that are weak and struggling in seasons of their life. That's why I've always believed for these young people. By the way, it's good to see the young people back up on the front pew today. Amen. After a long pandemic, I'm glad they're gathering back up here. That's why I've always believed for our young people and the young adults in our church that we should give them great grace. Amen. Because they're figuring things out. And too often we have killed the wounded of youth in the church and ostracized them to the place to where they didn't have a chance to live or breathe. When we need to understand that we were once youth ourselves. And we got it wrong back then, but hopefully we're getting it right today and that's not always the case. And they're gonna get it wrong sometimes. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna love them right to the Lord. We're gonna pull the chair out for them to sit at the table of the king, amen, and eat of the same fineries that you and I eat of. If you would, please. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Are you seeing this pattern here? He was a man subject to like passions, and he prayed. God answered. Amen. There was a space that happened, uh, and no doubt he had passions in, those, in that space of time, and he prayed again, and God answered. The confession of our faults to one another, hear me please on this, the confession of our faults to one another is not so much carrying the secrets of another's sins and failures, a key to the skeletons in their closet, but rather it is a transparency to one another that we are all the same, all common, all sinners, just like you, I need Jesus, and just like me, you need Jesus. Do we understand this scripture here? That wasn't about going to a booth over here on the side of the church and confessing in secrecy some sin that you've had in your life. That wasn't pulling somebody to the side and confessing your fault and continuing in your sin. Rather, this scripture is talking about transparency in the church. Amen. About, uh, uh, about the fact that we can look at one another and we can talk to one another and we can agree with one another and identify with one another and confess the fact that we are all in this battle of life together. It's about transparency. Everybody say transparency. transparency. That was what was in the Garden of Eden at the beginning. That's why they did not recognize their nakedness. But when sin came on the scene, suddenly it was clouded and they recognized there was transparency before sin. But sin takes the confession that should be the common ground of you and I and it causes mistrust and it's used as a tool to crucify instead of make alive. There is a healing. Everybody hear me right now. There is a healing in transparency. There is a healing in being able to know that you deal with what I deal with and I deal with what you deal with. There should be a healing in that. There should be a comfort and a strength in that. But we need to get to the place, and we should have already been there for that matter, where, we're, where we don't use it as a tool to gossip or to judge or to put somebody in hell with the knowledge that we have of them. I got seven amens on that one. So let's go back and just revisit it one more time. It shouldn't be 
that when there is the knowledge or when there is the understanding of somebody's difficulty in their life or somebody's faults or failures or sins or transgressions, uh, that, that we use it as a tool of gossip or condemnation on their life or criticism, that we are putting them in a place that somehow makes us seem more spiritual than them. Because after all, uh, we didn't do what they've done. And so here we are over here. Really the truth of the matter, most of, everybody stick with me on this. It's gonna get a little sticky, okay? Are we okay? The truth of the matter is, we just either didn't confess it or we didn't get caught. Huh? I, I remember I lied to my parents when I was a kid. And I, I don't know if I ever told them the truth. I just didn't get caught. Yep, I lied. God forgive me, have mercy on me, a sinner. So did you. Why? Because we're all sinners. Uh, we, we've all done wrong. We've all messed up. We've all missed the mark. We, we have. And it shouldn't be that, that we take the wrongs and the injustices and, and, and the problems and the faults and the failures and the sins, whatever they might be, however great or small, we might size them up in people's lives. It shouldn't be that we, the church, take those sins in other people's lives and use them as tools to kill and to criticize them. It should be that they become the knowledge the transparency, the confessing to one another that bridges the gap between us for us all to understand and to know that we are all the same and we are walking this road of life together and when one stumbles, it shouldn't be that we kick him to the curb and get rid of them. It ought to be that we walk to the side of the road like the Samaritan. We pick them up, we bind them up, we love them, we care for them, amen. We love them back into the fold. Somebody say amen. People struggle getting healed because we keep the wound festering. Right. Uh, and can I tell somebody, when backsliders come into the church and people that have been wayward, they're not coming here to see you and I. They're coming to the church to find the Father. That's, that's what the prodigal's doing out there on the road, and that's why the Father stands on the porch looking afar off. Why? Because that's... That's the repentive nature of people. The repentive nature of people is that they feel far off, but it spans the distance. The grace of God spans the distance. So, so when that backslider walks in the church or somebody that's fallen and broken in their life, they're not coming in here to get our approval. Come on, that's not what we're here for. If somebody walks in this church and, and they've been wavered for, everybody okay on this today? I'm way outside my notes right now. Amen, if somebody walks in this church today, amen, and, and they've been distant from God and, and, and backslidden and, and they've done everything wrong and they come in and just not what we think. It's not about you and I giving them our approval. It's about they're looking for the approval of the Father. They're looking for new shoes, a robe and a ring. They're looking for a fatted calf to be killed. Amen. Not because they deserve it, but they just know the goodness of God. Amen. And it ought not to be that the church sits on the pew or stands at the doors and keeps anybody out. I love that about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, amen, the keepers of the door in the Old Testament was about keeping people out that were not allowed into the temple. You know what happened at the New Testament when the veil of the temple was rent from the top to the bottom? Amen. That meant that we are now the doorkeepers to make sure that it stays open so everybody can get in. Not out, in. Come on, whatever you've done wrong, wherever you've been, however it is in your life, I'm telling you, the door's open today. There's mercy and grace in the house. There's forgiveness and love. Amen, there's compassion and patience here. Oh, 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 oh. people struggle getting healed because the wound keeps festering because we keep picking at it, not them. Amen. 
Because we don't cover it with love and forgiveness and grace and confidentiality. Do I need to repeat that? We don't cover it with confidentiality. Amen. Somebody comes to you. I'm going to move on. I'm almost, I'm almost done with this part. Uh, somebody comes to you and they tell you something they're struggling with. That, it, that's, that's where it should stay, right there. Yes. Amen. You ought to carry it to the altar with them. Yes. You shouldn't get on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever else is out there these days. And, and, or any phone or any conversation at a tabletop. And, and decide, you know, hey, brother such and such, they tell me. Mm. Uh, you don't even have to say a thing. All you have to do is shake a hand. You know, they've been struggling with this. Uh, you know, if we would really get to the place to where we love each other and we're forgiving, we could look at one another and say, you know what, I've been struggling with this. I need you to pray for me. And that person would be able to look back at them and say, you know what, I struggled with that too. And God gave me the victory over it. Or God's giving me the victory over it. Because the truth of the matter, most of the time, this is a journey. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Amen. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed. Elias was a man subject to like passions, and he prayed. He felt the same thing you felt, and he prayed. Yeah. He didn't, I'm sure that he didn't feel like he had a right, but he still prayed. Yes. I'm sure he felt like that God, didn't, God wasn't going to answer, and he didn't have a right to ask him to answer, but he prayed. prayed. He struggled just like you and I. He failed just like you and I. He had troubles just like you and I, and he prayed. Yes. <laughs> The answer to your prayer this day is not given because of your goodness. It is given because of God's goodness. It's not because you deserve it, merit it, warn it. It's just because God is good. He prayed and it did not rain. He prayed again and it rained. His like passions did not keep him from praying. Somebody hear me. What you failed at, what you are failing at, it should not keep you from God, keep you from praying. Because the answer is found in praying. Whatever it is that's making you feel alone and not worthy to sit at the table this day needs to be laid at the feet of the one who gives you his good grace and be healed right now. Musicians, if you would. Jordan, did you get that scripture? Pull it up for me. I didn't have this down, but I want to read this. Uh, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Everybody say comfort. Comfort. God of all comfort. who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Stay right there, don't go on yet. We comfort those that are in trouble. Anybody identify with trouble? Come on, if, if, anybody lift your hand with me. If, if Anybody understand trouble? Trouble, 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 trouble. Sometimes I feel like that's just all I can say when I pray. Trouble, 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 trouble. We have a problem. We have a difficulty. We have trouble. We have trials. We have tests. We just don't feel like it ever gets fixed or healed. Uh, but God comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them. Everybody see this right now? God comforts us that we might comfort them that are in trouble. The church is called to comfort. Yes. The church is called to heal. Yes. We pray that divine healing would happen uh, from God. Can I tell you how also divine healing happens? It happens from you and I yes. to one another. Yes. We comfort one another. Go on to yes. verse number five. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, 
so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Uh, Do you see this? Uh, I am, the sufferings of Christ, it makes me identify. It, It makes me identify with his sufferings and thereby I am consoled when I suffer because he suffered. Uh, I, I know that what I'm going through, he already paid the price for. I know that what I'm feeling, he already felt. The temptation that I go through, he already endured it and overcame it so I can overcome it. I am consoled by that. I'm comforted by that. I'm ministered to by that. Um, I, years ago in the old church, I was sitting on the platform and I'll never forget, I was, I was sitting there, that's back when I played the bass and, and uh, there was just a few of us that's right at the beginning and, and, I, and I'll never forget, I, I felt the Lord just unction me and the Holy Ghost to speak to me and tell me and it was just out of the blue, it wasn't necessarily uh, brought on by anything but it was just the Lord helped me to understand that I will never understand him in the fellowship of his resurrection until I first understand him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Um, I will never understand victory until I still uh, until I first have something that I need to be victorious over. Uh, I will never be comforted unless I have something in my life that I need to be comforted about. Do you understand this? And so that's what I'm trying to preach here today. Whatever you're going through, there's a God of comfort in this place. He wants to comfort you. But not only that, amen, there's people in this place as well to comfort you. Because we're on this road together. We're walking towards heaven together. We're in journey and we're all battling the same devil. There's not any new devils being churned out of hell. Amen, it's all the same old devils and we all are fighting them. But I want you to know we're not gonna be defeated. We're gonna be victorious. You're you're not cast down, you're not forsaken. No, God is for you, not against you. So there ought to be some comfort in the house today. There ought to be some mercy flowing in this place today. There ought to be some forgiveness and love and trust and transparency. Hear why? Because we identify with him and he comforts us and we comfort one another. Somebody lift their hands right now and just begin to love God. Come on, you might feel like that publican that felt far off, uh, that his prayer had no right. But understand this, because he put himself there, God justified him. You can be justified in God today. You don't have to be cast off today. You don't have to be distant from God today. Come on, pray with me as they begin to sing right now. Amen, this altar's open. Come and repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit. Come and bring that weight of your life to him and know that you are among people that are walking this road of difficulty together and we shall reign victorious. God will comfort you. Come on, you may have trouble, but God is greater than your trouble. You may have problems, but God is greater than your problems. You may feel like you can't lift your head, but he's a lifter up of our heads. You might feel like your hands are hanging down, but God will lift those hands. Come on, just begin to praise him and honor him and pray. And he prayed. When you pray, God.